The only thing I want to say is, guys, before you share something, before you decide to believe something without knowing factually that it's true, please just refrain. Don't post. It's okay to have an opinion and not share it because that can be so harmful. For all you know, you're going to share this thing that you think is definitively true that might not be on either side, right? You share it. Someone sees it. They become angry. Maybe they attack someone. Maybe they decide to go kill someone. It sounds crazy, but it's not because it happens every single day. Hate crimes happen all the time. What is happening, everyone? Welcome back to your favorite podcast, the Gordite Podcast. I have one of your favorite guests that I've ever had on. Rebecca Farrell is Hello. back in hey studio. Hey guys, how's it going? Happy freaking birthday. Thank you so much. No way I'd rather spend it than the Grower Die podcast here with Justin Mahaley. And we are bringing you guys some value today. What we dive into has never been talked about on the podcast before. We're going to talk about Peter Pan and what exactly that means. We're going to completely identify the issue with older men dating significantly younger women and the psychology of beautiful women dating ugly men. We're going to dive into the psychology of sales and you guys are in for so much value that Rebecca adds there. Get ready. I'll see you inside. You know, the expression, mm-hmm. if you're not the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Yes. Which of us is in the wrong room right now? Who do you think is smarter out of me and you? If you really had to answer, like ego aside, just think about it. Say we're taking like a test, an IQ test. Who would win? We would both score well. Yeah. I think I win by a couple points. I think it's really close. No, 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 no. But what? Okay. On what portion? Where do you think you would beat me? What category? You know what I think gives me an unfair advantage with problem solving just throughout life, like the Mm -hmm. way that I think about things, is how many high caliber, intelligent people sat in this chair, including Mm -hmm. yourself. Yeah. That like, well, I mean, there's a lot of life things that I've learned from that that you are going to be trekking into with your podcast, which I can't wait to talk about. That I just, I feel like I have a really unfair advantage in terms of, man, I've just been surrounded by some unreal, and I've had some intimate conversations with super smart people. For sure. So by osmosis, you would win. By osmosis, I would win. Understood. Are you, are, 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 can you accept that answer? That's fair enough, yeah. I guess. I've been around some relatively smart people, but I guess in the scheme of things, you do have me beat there. You're like, how many episodes in are you? So this is like 335 something That's or crazy. 330 something. That's nuts. Okay, yeah. so yeah, fair enough. I'm at three. <laughs> so I think the, the osmosis is barely starting for me, so I'll I'll accept it. So speaking of secured sessions, secured you sessions. started it up. Mm-hmm. Our podcast was a massive hit. The things are going quite well on there. Mm-hmm. What's something you just didn't really see coming that's like happening with the podcast, maybe with yourself or with the work or like whatever? Yeah, I think what I didn't see coming, I knew people would have opinions, yeah. but I didn't realize that people on the internet had such strong opinions about minute things. That's crazy to me. Like, and they are so passionate. I was like, man, I wish I was that passionate about anything at all, besides my podcast, of course, and my work. But like the tiniest thing, like someone would make a comment and they would just write paragraph, like literally MLA format, like cited the sources, just paragraphs. And I was like, whoa. 
y'all got some time. So I think that, and don't get me wrong, like love that people are interacting, but that did catch me off guard a bit. The passion with which people responded to certain things. I was tuning into a podcast on the way here and they were discussing the, they know a lot of successful people. Mm. And they're like, I know of three hyper-successful people that troll others online. They're like Elon Musk, Jake Paul, Logan Paul. Yeah. And when all of those three do it, they get attention. And when they get more attention, they get profit. Mm. There's no one. So um, the the person being interviewed is massive in the tech world, um, human resources, things like that. She's started her own. She's written many books, Times bestsellers, yada, yada. And she said, when we would bring people on, the first place we'd go when your application came in, we'd look at your name and we would go to your Twitter, your tweets and replies. Mm -hmm. And if you're negative on your social media feed, then you don't have a chance of success. I fully agree with that, truly. And I would love to hear your thoughts as a leader of other people. But if I see you negative on Instagram, you don't have a single chance of success. And I have a lot of data points within my history of owning and running companies that would right. suggest that as well. Do, do you ever peep your people's socials? No, because I don't care to. Like the, the negative people, I mean. However, bringing that up though, there who is that guy? I'm trying to remember his name. And he was so controversial. He was being uh, really misogynistic. Richard Tate? Yes, yeah. yes. And I still know nothing kind of, about him. So I don't know a ton, but I do know he built his whole platform off trolling. Yeah. And I guess he did have a lot of success from it. And he's still around and he's still making money off it. I do think they're few and far between. But he was saying such outlandish things that it was garnering negative attention, but it was so much negative attention that it excelled his growth. And there were those people who agreed with him, which, of course, there's always going to be a subcategory of crazy people that just agree with outlandish things. And it was kind of dangerous. So I guess they took away his social media, but he still was on other platforms. But that's the only case I've really seen of someone being overtly negative and controversial and then growing. Besides Trump, but that's another story. Is it really any such thing as like negative attention though? Uh, I guess it depends if that matters to you, right? If it doesn't matter to you, then no, it's still attention. But if it does, like if it can jeopardize your job or your life or if you have feelings, then maybe. But certain people, I think they just want whatever attention they can get. Well, for Andrew Tate, clearly it disrupted his life. Yeah. There's a subset of people. I'm not quite sure where I stand on it. I don't give it much attention. Yeah. Much thought. You can have brand reputation of someone like Andrew Tate. Mm-hmm. Um, probably not the most positive in nature in terms right. of his overall reputation, mm-hmm. but the dude's printing money and living this unbelievably lavish lifestyle. Yeah. With means that I can, I'm not sure my dreams quite quite honestly, can really compare to. Right. While not really having to like do that much to earn it. It's not like he's in the trenches, knocking doors, responding to athletes, curating podcast content. Like it's all relatively passive at this point. There's a subset of people that would gladly risk the brand reputation and having positivity thrown your way to be able to have that life. Would you? No. I don't think it's worth it to me. And it kind of goes back to our discussion on OnlyFans last time. Yeah, Yeah, you could make a lot of money. You can have 
a lot of just grow a brand based around it and propel yourself. However, for me, it's not worth my personal moral compass and ethics. I think a lot of people are willing to sacrifice those things for gain, whether it's monetary or just growth in whatever platform. But for me, going to bed at night, knowing that I'm doing things outside of the scope of my morals, it wouldn't be worth it to me. I feel like you can have all the money in the world and still be extremely depressed and unhappy. So for me, I would rather do things within my ethics and grow a little more gradually because I know I'm still going to get there. Like we both know that. Both of us are. And stick to the things that I feel good about in my morals. There was a lot of people, a lot of men who subscribed to other people's OnlyFans that had opinions that they wanted to share with us pertaining to the clip that the Grow Die podcast posted about OnlyFans. I found that quite interesting. I was like, dang, dude, like you you tell them yourself, look, I don't care. They have a PhD in OnlyFans. I was like, what is this? Yeah. Your comments back to them was quite (laughs) actually completely fucking hilarious. Thank you. I thought that that was fantastic. I appreciate that. That was a great buzz piece from the first episode. Um, I have a birthday present for you. It's currently your birthday. Yes. How old are we? 31. 31. You're older than me. Yeah. And I feel great. Honestly, I'm not going to lie. I feel better than I have any other year. I really do. I feel, you know, great about the future, really excited and, you know, stoked, ready to be 51, honestly. Let's fucking run it. Wow. 51 is going to be a lot different. Yeah. I don't know. Should I give you the gift now? Yeah. Let's do it. it. I don't know what it is, but. Sell me this pin. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. This is my own doing, guys. I said this is something we should do, but he really caught me off guard. I wasn't ready. My cap- caffeine's not here yet. Oh my, my 3 p.m. cold brew. Oh, my God. I was expecting a proposal, and I got... No, it's I'm... It's not even... It's a big... I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to propose to you tomorrow night at your birthday celebration. Perfect. Sell me the pen. To be expected. So I'm going to do what I did with my rep yesterday. And I'm going to have you go first, and I'm going to tell you what you did wrong. And then I'm going to sell it to you better than you sold it to me. Fuck, I was going to take your cue. you got to be uncomfortable. All right. Because I have a whole idea in the works. While I'm contemplating the route that I want to take to sell you this pen, there's a few. <sighs> You've seen Great Gatsby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, was it Great Gatsby? Was that where, where Leonardo DiCaprio sell yeah, that pen? Yeah, that was uh, – oh, no, Wolf of Wall Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, I mean – yeah. That guy's epic. Like if we're talking in terms of like actors, actresses, yeah. it's – if I, I'm not an expert, but if you yeah. tell me Leonardo's not the best, I'm – Oh, he's phenomenal. Mildly offended. But also every frat bro in the whole continental U.S. is going to be pissed that you said Great Gatsby and not Wolf of Wall Street. That's like their Bible. Yeah, like that's Like every okay. single – yeah. Just toss it down in the comments. Still give me please. a fucking five-star, please. Um, <laughs> okay. That's the route that I was going to take with this. Yes. Um, but obviously that's a cop-out. So I was going to watch what you did and then emulate you and mirror you back to yourself. Of course. Um, that's so why I want you to go first. while mm-hmm. I think about how I'm going to sell you this pin, there was a fogwa protest last night. Okay. In front of the place that we're going for your birthday dinner. You're joking. I swear. Of all the places, we just get like PETA, like blood splashed on us walking into my dinner. Oh, so man. listen to this. Okay. The Alston Animal Alliance Duck Defenders. 
This is from oh. PETA's website. We'll expose the hideous production process behind foie gras, including that several pounds of fat and grain are pumped into birds' stomachs every day through tubes shoved down their throats, causing their livers to swell to 10 times their normal size. Investigations into foie gras farms in the U.S. and Europe have revealed sick, dying, and dead animals, some with holes in their necks from force oh. feeding injuries. Dishing up the diseased liver, this is a quote, dishing up the diseased livers of force-fed birds is appalling and unjustifiable, says PETA Executive Vice President Tracy Ryman. PETA is calling on Austin restaurants to come into the 21st century and ban this delicacy of despair. Oh, no. So on my Q&A earlier today, I was asked if I feel like people with platforms should be discussing what's going on overseas. Yeah. While my answer was People with platforms need to first and foremost look out for their mental well-being mm -hmm. um, as like you're about to step into this because I really believe your podcast is about to blow up. You have to have very rigid and strict mental health practices to keep ahead of what the fuck's going on. Mm -hmm. And everyone who is in a little bit of a spotlight, a lot of spotlight, whatever, learns this in a decently hard way. Mm -hmm. um, luckily, I think you're surrounded by some great people. And dude, you're just so tough. I think you're going to handle it like really fucking well. Um, what's difficult for me right now is I, I saw, I'm, I'm not quite sure. I've heard some things about what's going on overseas. Uh, my mental health and peace is protected by me not knowing that's how I have to move forward with things. Yeah. You're telling me the biggest issue we had on a Wednesday night was to <laughs> go fucking protest Fogwa. Yeah. You're yeah. not changing anything. Like your impact is zero. Yeah. Because all of these restaurants are still going to use it. And you standing outside with some signs is only bringing that restaurant more attention. And it's making me aware. I didn't realize they serve Fogwa. <laughs> I didn't know either. <laughs> I didn't know that's how you say it, if we're being honest. You said, I was going to say like foie gras. I literally thought that's how you say it. Fogwa. 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 The, the R is. is not pronounce. I am from Corpus it's Christi, Texas. Yeah, it's yeah. not like in a, a straight English term, I'm, I'm assuming, or else it'd be called like foie grass. <laughs> Probably how I would say it if we're being honest here. But yeah, no, I think um, it is important to use your platform for me. Like I have been vocal about what's going on in the Middle East, but that is because my mom's side of the family is Jewish. Um, and I also have family in Israel, right? So very controversial, I know. But for me, it doesn't matter how big of a platform I have or I grow, I'm thankful for that. But I'm never going to stop speaking up for what I believe in. And anybody can say literally anything they want. I don't care. Uh, but I do think it's something that's extraordinarily important. I do think there's a lot of injustice and murder going on there. Uh, and that's not something that I will ever be silent about. I mean, if you go back, and we don't have to leave this in, but if you go back to the Holocaust, right? Six million people died. A lot of people didn't speak up. They didn't help. Look what happened. Yeah. If we think or if anyone thinks that I would ever silently sit back and let anything relatively close happen to that again in my lifetime, absolutely not. Like, what am I scared of? Someone's saying something online. No one's going <laughs> to yeah. say it to me in person. No, no. Like, you know what I mean? So I think, again, it goes back to your moral compass and not losing that with your platform. I think the fear of losing followers or people saying something mean or disagreeing, if they disagree, then maybe they shouldn't be your follower on something as important as that. Yep. 
and maybe it's the wrong page for them. So let them go. My thought process behind it is, hey, if you're educated and you're passionate about it, then absolutely use your platform. I think if you're educated, big keyword. I, I think a lot of misinformation gets spread through influencers mm-hmm. um, sharing their like, like, like. There's people who I love and appreciate, and I, I chat with on a regular basis who are so ride or die. Justin Mahaley, Team Mahaley, Grow or Die podcast. Mm-hmm. And how that got built was just establishing trust over time. Sure. I've been sharing accurate information for 10 years online. And I got a text from Phil Viz, a great friend of mine the other yeah. day that said, how's come you're the only big time coach that admits when they're wrong or when they made a mistake? And we had a hmm. chat about that. Yeah. And that's very true. Sure. I don't see other people doing that. And I just do it because of my moral compass, right? Of course, yeah. If we are promoting people who are completely uneducated to speak on topics. What the fuck do we think is going to happen? Yeah. Because we just saw this happen three and a half years ago. Yeah. When everyone shared their opinion. And we saw what happened from that situation. Insanity, yeah. It it was absolute insanity. With that being said, are you ready for me to sell you this pen? I am. But I have one more thing to say about what we were just talking about. I want you to have the platform. Guys, (laughs) I've seen on social media within the past week the most poorly constructed Microsoft Paint like templates saying what's going on in the Middle East. It's like a poorly Photoshop photo of like this person on the street trying to get people to be like divisive and pick sides and create propaganda and people repost it. If you're under the age of 65 and this isn't like Facebook and you're on like Instagram, Twitter, like up-to-date platforms and you're sharing this, I don't know what to say. I'm flabbergasted. Like people that I thought were like relatively smart, same age as me, they're literally posted. It looks like someone made it out of like construction paper and a crayon. And they're like, can you believe what's going on? I'm like, I gotta go. But yeah. The people you thought relatively smart, emotional response Mm -hmm. is quite fascinating in anyone and everyone, and it can make the most intelligent people just completely drop off the face of the earth in terms of the value standard that they're holding themselves to. And not pertaining to this situation in the Middle East, but pertaining to other situations, I've had a similar experience where I'm seeing people share things. I'm like, oh, no way. Yeah, not, now I can't like ever look you. at you the same. Yeah, yeah. I thought you were like one of us. I yeah. Like one of the good Like ones. at least listen to both sides. It's the yeah. people who come in so aggressively like, nope, this is the way. I'm not going to hear anything else. Don't even try. I'm like, oh, God help you. Can like, I ask? Please don't reproduce. You might not have an accurate answer on this exactly because your answer might be your family and that's perfectly okay. Yeah. Do you have a resource mm-hmm. that is educating in truth that you are familiar with? So publicly right now, you mean? Yes, that people would have access to. <sighs> I would have to think about that. I mean, yeah. for me, like I know people that are physically there, right? And of course, there might be bias with that, but that's tough. I mean, I think the safest bet, which is tricky now, even with AI, is going off actual video footage mm-hmm. as opposed to a photo that can easily be edited. You don't know when that took place. Mm-hmm. I would say that's the closest thing because in all honesty, News channels are so skewed mm-hmm. that you're never going to get accurate information there. Online, people, of course, have their side that they go with. As far as an unbiased 
I, mean, I kind of want to say Joe Rogan. Really? <laughs> to be completely frank with you, he is the only person that I've really heard thus far where it doesn't seem he has much of a bias. He kind of views both sides and just basically says, like, innocent people shouldn't die on either side. If you are celebrating a death on either side, you're wrong. And I fear for the future. Is Are we going to have a World War III? And just really thinking as a rational human, kind of seeing all sides of it and not you know, sticking so firmly to one side without knowing everything. I would say that's the closest thing I've seen to what might be facts because I'm not there either. You know, of course, I do veer one way because of my family, but that doesn't mean I hate the people on the other side and nobody ever deserves to die ever besides a terrorist. Of course they do. Right. But if there's somebody who's not on the Israeli side, who's just living their life with their family, trying to find safety, they don't deserve it. You know, just because that's not my religion, I would never wish death on somebody. That's completely wrong. And there's people out there doing that. There's protests right now that I've seen, again, footage of within the U.S. saying, you know, kill Jewish people, like free Palestine, all this stuff. You can have a free Palestine without killing people. Do you know what I mean? And people can disagree. But again, I sincerely do not care. I don't care. No one should ever have to die. I've felt that way for quite some time. I know I've shared my apolitical beliefs on the podcast before, and I think this is one of the reasons why. I think it's also why I'm a religious as well. Yeah. Is because those two things, religion specifically, I suppose, or maybe it's just a cop out for, you know, governments around the world, they're responsible for so much death. Yeah. And so much famine, so much bad. Absolutely. Yeah. Um that it's difficult for me to believe that I don't know, Rebecca. Like my thought, pro- why, you're telling me, you're telling me that we can't all just sit in a room and figure it out. I would love nothing more. That's exactly how I feel. And I'm not like a big organized religion gal myself, to be honest with you. Culturally, that is what I am. My family is that. And of course, like I had a bat mitzvah and all that good stuff. But I've always been one to question things. And I don't think there's a right or wrong. I think whatever makes you a good person. But I do think in a lot of cases, religion is used to incite fear in people. Like it gives you hope. But then it can also be used against you because you believe in this thing so strongly that an authority figure within that can tell you anything they want. And that's how cult gets started, right? And it's happened. Religious cults are, you know, very prevalent. I know that you're not an expert in this exact realm, so feel free to share what you wish. I have an understanding that's unbelievably elementary. Mm -hmm. You made a comment that I don't disagree with at all. I'm not sure what my opinion is on it. You said no one deserves to die except terrorists. Isn't terrorism... Typically religious cults. Yeah, it is. To my understanding, so, I don't so, know all so, the time. So then mm-hmm. let's assume yes. yes. And someone listening to this podcast could be like, you know, it's fucking and, and please slide like, my DMs and educate me. Like, I'm like, mm, sounds like someone terrorist. Okay. <laughs> like, oh, I don't know. If, like, get if, him CIA. <laughs> if this is wrong, I would love to be educated. Yeah. Um, same, likewise. So, yeah. It's like slide in our DMs and educate us. Again. <laughs> um again. <laughs> um Let's say hypothetically a terrorist group is a religious cult. Sure. That's just what they believe. It is it wrong? We can likely agree that yes, it is wrong. Sure. But do they know that it's wrong is what you're saying? Or do they believe they it's They clearly wrong? don't know it's wrong or else they wouldn't 
Maybe they would in the name of religion. They're like, oh, maybe I know this is wrong, but you know what? This is what God wants. Which is still not necessarily fully believing it. It's wrong. You're still trying to believe yeah, something. Justification. So, I just, I, I think it's difficult for me to come around to thinking that anyone really deserves to die. Like other, like, you know, people who are doing things that like happened during the Holocaust. And again, yeah. I'm, I have no education on what's going on. Yeah. Like, if that same situation was happening, well, it's also hard to say, Rebecca, because, you know, I, I have someone coming on who's going to chat about this. In the American education system, like, I'm not sure how much I believe it's on skewed. what I have been taught about any history in any world yeah. that has ever happened anywhere. Yet, do I know that Hitler was a very evil person? The small I know about him, yeah. Yeah, horrendous. Do I know that Joseph Stalin was an absolutely terrible individual? Yeah. yeah. Like, some. do I know that Genghis Khan was <laughs> a horrible fucking human? Yeah. Yeah. There, but then you got Columbus, right? Yeah. And that whole thing. Everyone glorifies him as a hero. However. I talk about this so often. Yeah. yeah. Um, Thanksgiving feels odd to me. Yeah. Yeah. As I become a... I don't want to say I'm enlightened by any stretch of imagination, a critically thinking adult. Right. Um, it's difficult for me to hop on board of, of, like, this is what we're celebrating coming in and massacring Native Americans. But if you think about it, it's kind of like things that we were just grandfathered into that we just see as normal. So maybe these religious cults, it's kind of the same thing. Not that it's justi justified at all. Yeah. However, they just grow up thinking that's the norm. Kind of like us celebrating Thanksgiving 100%. and that's celebrating kind of like the death of people that didn't deserve to die. I agree. You know, so it's like. I, I agree. Yeah. So I, I get in this conundrum of. I went down a path during the pandemic of. I was mildly conspiracy theorist, but just because I just saw through it all. I love a so, good theory, yeah. Yeah, so then I, I started, like, believing some other theories and whatnot just because yeah. I was ignorant. Um, a lot – it's fascinating that a lot of them do turn out to, like, be true and stuff. Like, yeah. we were chastised for, like, well, aliens aren't real. Like, dude, come on. Like, we all – anyone with a brain that operates at a higher frequency than a peanut understands that, like, yes, there's definitely extraterrestrial life. It, there's not a there, – there's a – such a small chance that it's not existing in a never-ending universe yeah. that you just can't really believe that that's actually real. Um, and now, you know, where are we, right? Um, there was another comment made that I feel I want to share my two cents on since we're kind of on this topic. And again, this is literally worth two cents. And some of you have knowledge that's worth a dollar. Some of you have knowledge that's worth thousands of dollars in this realm. You said World War Three. I mean, didn't we have that already with COVID? And it was all of the governments in the world yeah. <laughs> turned into their people. I'm not sure if this gets edited in the final script of the podcast. I mean, but I don't I guess care. We'll we can see. leave it in. Yeah, I love a good controversy. I'm like, guys, bring it. But I know. I, it's interesting. I mean, because what do you do if you break those regulations? Like, is there like militant forces in the wings, just prepared. Say during COVID, right? There was like the stay-at-home order and then you couldn't go like to a restaurant. You couldn't like not wear a mask. So say somebody, and I'm sure this happened, maybe there's a video, but someone goes in, they refuse to wear a mask. They're like, I know my rights. Do they then get arrested? Because at that point, yeah, it's kind of like a dictatorship a little bit, right? Or We're more people. I don't know. I'm sure there's videos of it yeah. somewhere, you know, but 
it's crazy how there's so there's people so far on each end of the spectrum. You got people wearing a mask in their car with the windows up. That's fucking insane. And then you got the restaurants where it's like, okay, like don't wear them when you're sitting down, but when second you stand up, throw that thing on. It's like, oh my god, I forgot about yeah. it. Yeah, so fucking the elevators, stupid. the four corners yeah, where you had dude. to stand facing yeah. that. So what? fucking Even, stupid. I almost feel like it's it was a test to see how much control they could get away how with. Far we'd go. And it was a shitload. You know, there, <laughs> a scary amount. There was talk of like a fourth wave coming like at the end of the year uh, the 16th vaccine <laughs> because, like. yeah because then texas was like yeah nothing's happening here like, that's when governor Abbott basically mm-hmm. said nothing's going down here yeah like, it ain't changing um, that's why i moved back yeah, that has, <laughs> yeah yo yeah you were in you yeah. were in for it out there in cali yeah um is there anything further since you're here with the platform it's something you're passionate about educate yeah. on that you would like to share about what's going on overseas without going too deep into the trenches is there any other any further message yeah yeah um i don't want to spread any more of a message of divisiveness than is already out there the only thing i want to say is guys before you share something before you decide to believe something without knowing factually that it's true please just refrain. Don't post. It's okay to have an opinion and not share it because that can be so harmful. For all you know, you're going to share this thing that you think is definitively true that might not be on either side, right? You share it, someone sees it, they become angry, maybe they attack someone. Maybe they decide to go kill someone. It sounds crazy, but it's not because it happens every single day. Hate crimes happen all the time. Before you post, think, is this going to bring any good? You might think it would, but if you don't know it's factual, if it's hateful towards somebody else or even alleging that a certain group deserves to die, don't post it. You could kill somebody. Uh, So that's the takeaway that I want to leave you guys with. Just keep it to yourself. I understand being passionate. I want you guys to post about peace. Like, hey, guys, let's all come together. Let's come to like a peaceful conclusion. That's fine. Post about the issues. Post that people are struggling over there, whatever it might be. But when it comes to wishing death on somebody, that's completely different than wanting peace. In fact, it's the polar opposite. So just don't do better. (laughs) I'm reading a book right now, The Greatest Salesman in the World. Mm -hmm. Awesome book, real short book. I absolutely love it. Number one rule of the greatest salesman in the world, Mm -hmm. good habits. Okay. Where do you want to be? And are the habits right now conducive for you getting there? And are the habits that you're putting forth right now good habits? Mm -hmm. A good habit is something that truly draws you closer to that person. So I suppose maybe my message here before I sell you this pen Mm. in an exquisite way that you've never been sold because I know it's going to work. The person you want to be, the places that you want to go, the way that you want to be viewed Mm -hmm. before you share something on Instagram, is that conducive or does that take away from you shining in that light? And I think that's something, this is far more reaching than just the conflicts going on right now sure, overseas sure. this is for everything yeah. this is for literally anything at all yeah i find myself doing it like man if i could like i have a hilarious joke to make about this person but it's at their expense so i'm not going to send this to my friends right whereas the old me would like send it to my friends because that's not who i'm aligned with sure and it's funny it's little things like that that have me feeling like more aligned than i've ever been because like i just want to be a really fucking good person yeah and i know you want to you know do the same yeah that being said 10 bucks, buy this. <laughs> um, 
I don't have the money for it. I can't afford it. I'm sorry. Okay, perfect. You're going to buy this pin for $10. And here's what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you the loan for $10. Mm -hmm. In a separate escrow account, I'm going to put $50 okay. in this account. It can be under whatever name you want it to be under. It can mm -hmm. be under Elias' name. Okay. When you come back to me in one week from now, you have to sell this pin for more than $10. I get my $10 back. I'm giving you a 0% interest on your loan. Mm -hmm. I get my $10 back. You keep the profit and you get what's in the escrow account. Mm -hmm. Do you believe that you can sell this pin for more than $10? I've never sold anything before. I don't know. I'm not confident that I can, honestly. Okay. I'm going to kidnap Aliyah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna put Alia ransom page. Oh God! I'm gonna put Alia in an escrow account. <laughs> Classic. The ransom page guys works every time. If you don't come back with more than ten dollars of profit, <laughs> mm -hmm. with this pen on a zero percent interest loan that I'm giving you, it's zero dollars down. Uh huh. Alia stays with me. Oh no, that's not ideal. You have one hour. There's like five people outside the room. You can't sell that pin for more than $10. Yeah, I guess I will now. Sold. All right. You got yourself a deal. Not the route that I am going to take, but <laughs> everyone's like, how do you sell so many alarms? I'm just saying they're like, <laughs> their kids are taken for ransom. I'm like, what do you want? Put an escrow account. I'm like, guys, I don't condone violence. Never wish harm. I'm like, you don't buy this fucking alarm. This fucking yeah. <laughs> oh, man. How'd I do? Well, it worked. Yeah, yeah you inc incited fear for sure. I mean, I could have gone the route because I don't want it to go too long of like, well, I'm going to hide her away. You're not going to find her. But at that point, you could have been like, oh, really? Well, this is like an image of your house with Aliyah peeking through the window. So she probably. was just between my feet two seconds exactly. ago when you said that. So yeah, I, yeah. I have access to her right now. If you're not Precisely. watching on YouTube, then you're really missing out the Aliyah show. She's been all it's so fucking cute watching yeah. her sit behind you. Just hopping around. How would you sell that pen? Well, Justin. The number one rule in sales is finding a need first. So what are you passionate about in life? What what are you most passionate about? Would you say fitness? I am most passionate about mindset. Mindset? Yeah. Okay. So what is your personal brand? My personal brand is leading through love mm -hmm. and changing people's physiques, yes, but we change lives, not just physiques. Okay. So how did this all start? How did your passion start? I, it started in the gym, didn't it? Just that's, yeah. that's how the platform all got started. Yeah, yeah. I was training this woman um, named Monica, LA Fitness, and I've told her story brief on the podcast before, and she lost like 50 pounds or such. Oh my and gosh. Um, she needed to you know lose quite a bit more yeah. to the point where she wasn't able to walk up even half halfway to the steps, the first meeting that we had. And then, you know, we were doing like full training sessions by yeah. the time she moved away to North Carolina and things like that. So that, I would say that really sparked the passion. Yeah. The passion. So working hands-on with someone. So when you're working out and when you were training her, would you say that mind muscle connection is a real thing and yeah. muscle memory? Yeah. I would say that those are both pretty real. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. So I see you have a laptop right here, right? And you're using that to kind of jot everything down, mm -hmm. but the thing is, between your mind, your hand, and the actual paper, there's this thing blocking it, and that's the laptop. Yeah. You don't have that mind-muscle connection, right? You have this device, which people didn't use to have. If you think about it, Shakespeare write with a laptop? No, he probably, probably didn't. Probably used a what? Pen and paper. Yeah, yeah. So some of the greatest sonnets, the greatest works that have ever been written were using 
a pen, one might say, right? So back to my muscle connection and how your whole passion started. She was holding the weights with her hands. She was. Correct? Yeah. As were you. She's having that connection. There was nothing blocking that. And from that, now look at this whole journey. It got you to where you are now. It spurred your passion. It started this entire empire that you have now. Yeah. So safe to say you need the pen. You're using this laptop. And I think that's honestly crippling you. Yeah. I think if you want what Shakespeare had, the passion that you initially had, that mind-muscle connection, you have to be physically holding something to make that connection. Do you disagree? I don't disagree. My laptop did die earlier today, and that was a huge inconvenience. You know it doesn't die? A pen. So. How much um, does it cost? That's a great question, Justin. Now that we've assessed that you need it, honestly, I really like you. You seem like a really nice guy. Yeah, we been, know. We established that the last episode. You're right. One might even say love. And you've been really nice to my dog. So based on how everything's going today, typically there is a fee of $500 up front mm -hmm. for a pen, especially, you know, the original Shakespeare pen. If you see here, it has a signature on it. It does. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. So I will sell it to you for $499.99. Okay. Um, That's a hefty if, discount. It, it is. Yeah. Uh, usually I, I charge a little bit more, okay. to be honest. Like there's more of a, an install fee, okay. um, me handing it to you. The fact that I'm giving it to you as well. I've touched it. Now it has my yeah, energy on it. It does. But um, as I said, I will discount it um, by one cent for you. I don't have my credit card on me. I got a debit card with a $150 limit. Yeah. No, absolutely. So what we're going to do is we're going to run to the bank. Um, we're going to open a new card. What's your credit score like? Do you know? Or I can run a pre-qualification yeah, to it's, see? Yeah, it's roughly around 780. Oh, amazing. I know, Phenomenal. pretty good. So this won't be a hard- It used to be in the 300s, believe it or not. Oh so. my God. <laughs> now, hey, this is a true story. Yeah. There was a time in my life where I wasn't even able to get a $200 credit card through Capital One because my credit score was so low. But yeah, because my when I graduated college, my monthly student loan payments was more than double what I was actually making in yeah. a month. Wow. Yeah, and that was only eight years ago, guys, so- Continue. Don't go to college. It's really helpful. Literally don't go to college. I, guys, I swear, I have a whole degree and I'm telling you, just please don't. Literally don't Yay, go to college. Thank you. Um, so in conclusion. Our cold brew just arrived. Perfect. <laughs> oh, Claire. Claire, thank you. I'm parched from selling that pen to Justin. Oh, yeah. You needed it, huh? Yeah. If you so, guys aren't watching on YouTube, you're really missing out right now. Look at that. Thank you. Wow. That first sip feeling. Oh, Starbucks. Nothing like it. Gil Nothing like it. Capitalism. Mm -hmm, Good mm -hmm. old capitalism. Um, so with that said, we're going to run to the bank. We're going to go ahead and open that up with your phenomenal credit score. That should not be an issue. But looking at you, I already knew your score would be great. Um, and I'll drive you there. Do I look myself. rich? Uh, I wouldn't say you look rich. I just think I get the vibe that you are an educated gentleman and credit's important to you. I don't think someone can look rich. I think rich can look like a number of things. It's it's subjective. But I think you just look like somebody who would take care of business and take care of yourself and your finances. So You got yourself a deal. Cheers to your new pen, Justin. Cheers to my new pen. <laughs> mm -hmm. Now that being said. Yes. Who's the smartest person in the room after selling the pen? I mean, yours was shortened to the point. It was also it was. violent. <laughs> but What's a Peter Pan? A Peter Pan, guys. And um, this was a common question as well as peacocking. But a Peter Pan, if you're not familiar with the movie, it is someone who never grows up. They live in the constant state of being young, 
um, doing fun little adventures, not really doing anything that adulthood entails and just never wanting to grow up. Mm. That's the most important facet, I think, is they want to stay young forever, which, I mean, who wouldn't, right? But I think this is more of a mental thing than a physical thing. They're like, I'm 21 in the club forever. Like, let me go to Dirty Six, then just, you know, take some shots. But yeah. Why is is that a bad thing? I don't think it's bad until it has negative consequences for you. I think, and until it's used to cover something deeper, which I kind of went into with Julie on Secured Sessions, my podcast. But basically what she was saying with her master's in psychology is that people use it as a coping mechanism so they don't have to look internally and actually deal with their issues. They use it to mask those things. So it's a facade in a way. It's like, oh, guys, look, I'm still young. I'm the life of the party. Because if you have to accept that you're aging and you have to accept that you're becoming an adult, you have to probably accept that it's time to deal with some of that trauma if you ever want to be a functioning, healthy adult. And they're not ready to do that, I would assume. I'm not the psych major or, you know, master's degree, but having spoken to someone who has and also just having seen it, one might assume. I never knew what that term meant. And then I asked you on your podcast page. I found it fascinating. Yes. Drake's tour right now has this massive floaty of of Peter Pan. That's interesting. Huh? Is that is that what he's using it for? I don't know. Um, maybe. It could be it seems to be a new phenomenon. Yeah. New-ish. Like the name, yeah. I hadn't heard it really until this year. Yeah. Um, I think it's a good way to describe it, but I wonder how it started. I'm really not sure. But I guess it is a good way to say, I mean, you look, Peter Pan lived in Neverland. He never wanted to grow up and whatever that entails, the responsibility, he's always bopping around on his little adventures. So I guess that's kind of why it's fitting. It makes sense. What's to be said about a 40-year-old man who's dating like a 22-year-old girl? I would assume that's somewhat Peter Pan-y. Let's add more context. Yeah. A man without much responsibility. I believe with great responsibility comes great maturation. And if you don't have responsibility, then you just simply don't mature. I think you can be 24 and unbelievably mature if you have, say, for speaking for men. Sure. If I was 24, by the time I was 24, mm-hmm. um, I could have had a child with somebody sure. that I wasn't in an active relationship with. And I have child support to pay for that child. I was obviously chasing these massive dreams and my mom was helping me with my rent still. I just uh-huh. talked about my credit score and like how bad things were we love Ms. for Mahaley. me at that time. Yeah, dude. Yeah, Miss Mahaley got me through for real. Uh-huh. My sister did too. Yeah. There was times it was like coming up on like, shit, dude, I'm about to get kicked out and like call my sister and her and Luke like spotted me. Like it was tough. It was really hard. Yeah. Um, I mean- it was six years ago, and it seems like it was 50 years ago. Sure. So um, in that moment, I was obviously very immature. Right. If my life was different and I had a child with a woman and I was financially supporting both of them, I obviously would have had to grow up. I probably would have yeah. gotten a sales job or something where I can make fast cash. Sure. And, like, I just would have dove all the way in, and obviously, like, we wouldn't be here right now. Right, right. right. Um, I think maturation is a direct consequence of responsibility sure with that i find it often that a 40 year old man who's in a monogamous relationship with a 22 year old girl mildly odd as 22 year old females there's not going to be a ton of responsibility depending on their situation sure So with a little bit more context, 
What's your thoughts on that? Like, do you care about that at all? If would you be friends with someone that like would they would that fit your friend friend profile? I have, I have yeah. dated or dated. I have. Whoa, just kidding. He's dated everyone, whoa. myself included. Everyone, oh god, <laughs> I gotta go. I am going to briefly interrupt this podcast to ask you to leave a five star review and rating on whatever platform you're listening in. If you do this and screenshot and send it to the Grower Die Instagram page, you are going to be entered to win a $100 Amazon gift card. We're going to be picking people every other week. And listen, the show gets like 10, maybe 15 reviews per week. So your odds are going to be pretty high in there. So if you do that for me, it would be an amazing help. Let's get back to the show. Um, No, I have had friends where they've dated someone substantially older, but it's interesting to think, would we feel the same way if it was an older woman with a younger guy? You know what I mean? I don't know. I, I personally wouldn't date a woman like much older than me. Like 31 is yeah. definitely way too old for what me. What do you think is odd about it? Just the lack of like nah, emotional for- intelligence or life experience? Me dating an older woman or no? The, Either. Um, so I think there's something to be said about... That's a great question. There's something to be said about a young woman. Mm-hmm. Let's say you're a 25 year old, just beautiful woman. You're dating a 40 year old man. Yeah. There's something that you see in that person. We have there's research that I I don't have pulled up right now. It's actually I know this because of another podcast I've been prepping for. Mm-hmm. Which I think is why this is so fresh in my mind. There's a plethora of research suggesting now, very recent research, Mm -hmm. suggesting women typically do that because they missed a father figure in their life growing up. Interesting. And the the instances I know of like that, I actually chatted with Megan Long, my ex-girlfriend, about Mm -hmm. this. Yeah. Um, The day after I made that podcast um, outline. Mm -hmm. And I was like, when you and I started dating, I was like your dad. I was. And, you know, she, it's, she came on the podcast and chatted about how she grew up without a dad. Yeah. Like I was like her dad, I was like her brother's dad and that enhanced their love for me Hmm. in like a way that like just wasn't romantic. Right. No, no, for sure. Um, she agreed with that and she has now settled with someone who's like amazing dude, not as far on the spectrum of like dad as i am in terms of like he's not teaching her yeah like i felt like i was teaching her like i was teaching brandon like jonathan and her partners yeah and like me and megan never quite had that and you know now understanding what i do about what's relevant and pertinent in literature right now yeah it makes a lot of sense i was like her guide or her mentor like her protector like her dad should have been and i feel like that quite happen often happens i was much more emotionally intelligent intellectually intelligent i was much more mature than she was when we started dating yeah what i lacked that she made up for was i had no fucking confidence in myself when her and i started dating Uh, because i was destroyed from my previous relationship sure so my confidence was zero well, maybe we all both kind of filled up for each other then, we right? Did. Yeah. Which that that was powerful, yet her and I's relationship got to a point where we looked at each other and we were like, I literally remember the conversation in our bedroom. Yeah. Hey, like, we're friends. Like, we're best friends. And yeah. And we're roommates. And like, this isn't supposed to be a thing. And that's okay. That's yeah. perfectly okay. Yeah. 
since I've lived it, I can very much so say with confidence, like, that's what I believe. Yeah. I believe that men who date substantially younger women mm-hmm. are just lacking some security or maybe sure. lacking some confidence. I feel the same about when I see Rebecca. Yeah. When I see a woman way out of this dude's league in terms of appearance, mm-hmm. I look at her and I'm like, you're just scared to date someone who could leave you. Yeah. And that's why you fucking settled for him. I start crying. I'm like, it's <laughs> real. Yeah. No, I, I you literally- feel bad. You feel bad for him both. Because at some point, he is actually more prone to cheat on her. And isn't that yeah. the cra- Oh, guys. Yep. Listen, I have some opinions on this one. Yep. And it's the craziest thing because I've talked to my friends about this. It's not crazy. We've the, lived it. But it it go, was go the realization ahead. of it was crazy. Let me put it yeah, that way. Go ahead. Like, I have, unfortunately, guys, and I'll say this for the first time on the Grow or Die podcast, dated some nematodes, um, some bottom. <laughs> when I tell you, go back to the Cold War and think of the boots within which people were getting trench foot and equate that to a man. And then you dated me. Yeah, yeah. I'm not proud of it, but you know what? It was a growth moment. But here's the thing. My friends have done the same. And we ask ourselves, why? Why would we put ourselves through this torturous thing more than once? Sadly, also not proud of it, but you know what? It is what it is. I think... You're you're right. It is the fear. And the thing is, too, it's like the attractive guys almost never approach girls. And it's interesting. It's almost like the same thing. It's like guys who are very conventionally attractive. I don't know if they're used to having girls come to them or what, but I feel that it's rare that they'll be the one to come up to you at the bar. It's always the ones with all the audacity who look like a foot that will come up to you. And then in turn, you think to yourself, oh, well, maybe that's the only kind of person that likes me because I'm like that. But in reality, the more attractive ones aren't coming up for whatever reason, because maybe they have insecurities too. You never know. So I think the really attractive girls and the really attractive guys rarely end up together. And from what I've seen, I could be wrong because I think they both have their own mental blocks. And then you have the audacious little toad in the middle who's going, you know, going to end up with the girl. And then they think they're hot shit, the little toad in the middle. So their ego gets out of whack. And then they either cheat because of that, because they think they can, because they think I got this beautiful girl, I can get whoever, or it's a power move. Oh my God, she's hot. I know she could leave me at any moment. Let me go get the power over her and one-up her and hide this from her. So those are my thoughts. As a man, yeah, you feel this energy and men listening to this are going to know exactly what I mean. Men who have dated like truly conventionally beautiful women know exactly what I mean. When you walk into a place and you've got a beautiful woman with you, every single woman starts sending you energy. And the reason being because, well, look how pretty she is. If I can get any attention from him, it means that I that must mm, mean that I'm that pretty as well. Wow. Oh my goodness. You also listed why people this is just my my thought process yeah. and the very mm, I've done a good bit of research on this actually. Yeah. Um I'm gonna speak with more convention than conviction than I was gonna give myself credit for. You mentioned the attractive wins are rarely the ones walking up to yeah. you with, at a bar. If you're conventionally attractive, you've always been conventionally attractive, you've always been approved and accepted. So why would you put yourself in a situation where you can Mm. produce failure out of the efforts that you put forth? 
Wow. I think I'm getting a little psychoanalysis. So these people, men and women, Mm -hmm. won't put themselves in that position because it's terrifying to finally feel failure. Wow. Whereas the nematodes like you're talking about. It's easier. That's all they've gotten is failure. Whoa. So they just shoot shots with confidence and send them around huh. because they are they're, they, they're used to the failure. They're used to it. Wow. But you get yeah. to a certain point where it's like you're just shoot like Steph Curry sometimes he's just fucking shooting. It doesn't matter where the fuck he's from or what yeah. he who's guarding him. He's just shooting. Dude, that's kind of how they end up being. Because at some point, Rebecca, he's going to shoot with the beautiful woman that got crushed by a beautiful man and she is turned off by that now. And now he just she wants to be safe and secure, but he is going to land her and he will end up cheating on her because she is out of his league and he's getting sent energy from other women that he's never been exposed to because of how pretty his girl is. It will happen. Guaranteed. Justin, this is phenomenal because these are all questions that I've literally had and spoken to my friends about and you are 100% dead on. Literally. I don't have a single like rebuttal comment. Like That's completely accurate. Makes perfect sense. The difficult part, have you always been like conventionally attractive? No. Okay. Yeah. So Uh, funny. uh, I would say around high school was when I started to notice guys were like, oh, like Rebecca. And they would try to like talk to me and stuff like that. But ever since then, you've been attractive. Yeah. Well, listen, I don't want to be like conceited, but one might say. I was ugly in college. I was ugly as an adult. I was ugly at 24. Do you think? Yeah, but I got girls. Yeah. I, I 100% Oh, so got you were girls. the you were that guy um, in every direction or no? No, no, no. I've been very um I build I'm like demisexual, I think. Like I like having an emotional connection with somebody. Mm-hmm. And like I just like build that connection up and then through that connection I've always been like this. Mm. You kind of know if you're going to hit or not. Yeah. Um hmm. there's definitely there's one female who she wouldn't mind if I said who it was. Um, her and I had a thing a while back, and yeah. she, she's like a he, very famous model now. Um, and like we still talk here and there and whatnot. And like we've had a thing of quite a few times over the years. And yeah. Um, but she was the first girl that gave me an empowerment that I was like, like when I walked in with her. Yeah, yeah. That's when I started realizing these things. Um, We never had like a formal relationship, but she opened up a lot of doors with a lot of women that I was never going to have access to because they at one point saw me with her. Yeah. Um, I see it at Estelle's downtown. Really? Unbelievably beautiful women work there. Yeah. When I come in, I have unbelievably beautiful friends. And sometimes they'll join, they'll pop in for a drink. I'll meet beautiful women Mm -hmm. there because I'm just a friendly dude. Right. And they start seeing that. So the first time we came in, I just got treated like how I normally get treated, like as in a a very friendly, somewhat good looking dude now. Yeah. I get treated like a king in there now. Dang, I wanted to go there for my birthday and it was booked. Let's run it. Oh, no, I got. I was going to ask you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she said that it was booked. I haven't lived in Austin for a minute. Okay, guys. That's I have pull that I super used to. Now cute I have to, that you think it's not booked for me. Now so. I have to use Justin Mahaley for his resources. Ask me right now. Ask me if I'll get you into his stuff. Justin, mm-hmm. would you do me the absolute honor of assisting me in moving my birthday dinner from J Prime to Estelle's? Please. Now I'm definitely coming. Yeah, <laughs> you weren't you gonna go. <laughs> Dude, your birthday is at 8 45. What do you what time do you want it at? 5 30. 
<laughs> I'm filming a podcast with Alex. <laughs> Five fucking 30. It's going to be a good one. No, I can. Um, well, of course it is. You're on it. No, deadass. Actually, she I wants it earlier, too. I'm not going to lie. She has an yeah. early bedtime, too. We could probably do it earlier. We could do like 730. I'll get us in. Whatever you want to be there, I'll get us in. And it's F1 weekend. I know. I'm yeah, really it's, yeah. Are you? It's going to be fun. All those cars are cleaned by Elite Detail Pros. Oh, what? Justin, yeah. that's yeah. sick. It's no big deal. Um, I'm actually so proud of you. Thoughts that's on, I appreciate that. Yeah. Thoughts on reality dating shows? Yeah. Do they, do you watch them? Um, so I've actually almost been on a few. Me too. Yeah, I made it to like the, no way, what? I almost went on Love Island th what? literally this season, like very, you would very crush. recent. You would be good. Yeah. 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 I about went on. As because, would I. Um, if you, if you don't mind me sharing super fast, mm -hmm. it, I was feeling more aligned than I ever have with all the work that I'm doing. Mm -hmm. I started communicating with a producer that I've known for quite some time because they wanted me and Megan Davis on a show like a while back oh, together, yeah, a couple shows. Uh -huh. And we started communicating. She reached back out, yada, yada. I was thinking about it because I was like, you know what? I would go on there. I know I'd become a fucking superstar. Yeah. Like overnight. I feel the same about my Um, We're like, we're made for that shit. We yeah, can yeah, no, act sure. it so well. Yeah. Um, I talked to some of my friends who have been on reality shows and whatnot, and they're like, dude, your podcast is going to go nuts after. Yeah. And I actually, I thought about going on. And so like, this is the death of me ever getting on one, which I want this to be. If I was on a reality TV show, it would solely be for the fact that it would make my podcast go top charts sure. and go absolutely insane. Yeah, yeah. But I'm going to get there anyways without it. So I did decline. But I was thinking, I mean, Rebecca, I was I was in. Yeah. I but that's kind in. of that moral compass, right? That we it were talking about earlier. Compass. Yeah. I couldn't sleep the night I told one of my best friends that I was in. I just slept so terrible that night. And I was like, I'm not aligned with this, dude. I got I it. Did sleep. they tell you that? Were they like, this isn't really you? Like, um, Yeah. Not, well, that's that's it's, important. That's a real friend. When I listed yeah. my intentions, she was like, oh, you can do better than this. And I was like, but it's like, it's a, it's a, that's the cheat code. That's a real friend. That's yeah. the cheat code. That's the cheat code to this podcast being one of the top 50 in the fucking world. Or maybe not. What if it's not? What if you go on there, they spin you as a villain, everyone just hates you, your podcast. Maybe everything happens sure. for a reason. That you know is true. I mean? It could. It could catapult it, but maybe not positively. And like yeah. right now you're on such a traje trajectory <laughs> of having um, guests with like great life experiences who have like good moral compass. You know what I mean? It's like going in such a direction that I feel isn't like, like quote unquote, like trash TV, I agree. you know? So I, right. I feel like what you've built so far and what's been successful, why change it to I a agree. different vibe? And why didn't you go on? I didn't make it on. <laughs> oh, no shit. <laughs> That's why, yeah. I got to the last round. So there was one that filmed in Austin. Um, that one never got greenlit, but it was a bunch of like people who go out in Austin. A lot of people that I knew, we filmed the pilot. Everyone got wasted. They had to close the open bar. It was just mayhem. That one just didn't get greenlit. Then, uh, Temptation Island, I made it to the last round. Um, and I guess that was it. They just like didn't pass me the final. And then they had me do one interview for The Bachelor, mm -hmm. um, to be one of the girls. I but that's really, yeah, I disagree. I feel I like that's like not my image because like there's never girls with like tattoos like I, I don't know i feel like for me i'm more like bad girls club i very much so agree with that too yeah but i can see you on 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 the bachelor solely for the reason of you would take a shot on yourself to become popular and then have a bachelorette season yeah and that would blow yeah you up. I mm -hmm. mean, you would just explode. You hear that one guy of our, casting one, people. One of our mutual friends, when this episode drops, it, her situation won't be dropped yet, but mm -hmm. we have a mutual friend now that has some really exciting stuff coming know, in. It I sounds know. really fucking cool. I'm yeah. definitely happy for her. Um, let's talk about sales. 
Robert Cialdini. Are you familiar with his work at all? Mm-mm. Um, I learned about him maybe a year ago or so because I realized I actually don't have any experience in sales, marketing, nothing. Hmm. I just simply, to this point in my life, just take dogs for ransom and make people pay me all of their money. Works, yeah. Um, He listed reciprocity, scarcity, authority, consistency, liking, and consensus are the six principles of persuasion. They're based on the idea that people are more likely to be persuaded by those that they like and that they trust. And there are certain cues that can trigger automatic responses that make people more likely to comply with requests. With that being said, Mm -hmm. emotions are obviously a very powerful tool for influencing behavior. You're going door to door with someone, which I find more intrusive, not in a negative way, just more intrusive than like cold DMing someone on Instagram. Sure, yeah. Um, Do you tinker with emotions in order to allow them to let their guard down? Yeah. Um, And how do you go about that? Absolutely. With language, with body language? Both. So like like we talked about in the last podcast, right? Sales is a trans- is the transfer of energy. Yeah. So that basically means a lot of things. Energy can be how you talk to someone. It could be your mannerisms. It could be your body language, any multitude of things. And I think combining all of those and mirroring the customer is so important. It's not deceptive or manipulative in my opinion, but it's how you'd have a conversation with anybody. Like you're not going to talk to me the same way you would talk to a 90-year-old lady, right? Or like one of your guy friends that you've known for 20 years. It's always going to be different. It's not intentional and it's not manipulative, but you just mirror that person and the vibe that you guys have together right? So that's exactly what I do when I'm in the home or at the door. If it's, I don't know, like a 21-year-old who just bought their first home, it's a big deal, like they made a lot of money, whatever that is, I'm going to talk to them a whole lot differently than I would a 55-year-old male who's ex-military and I can tell he's going to be a little more stern and just completely different. So yeah, I think it's just adaptation. Do you leverage pain points? with these people. You have to. It's like I did with you in the pen. You ask questions. Before I even start selling you, because the second you try to start selling someone, they're going to push back. Like if I immediately go in with like, hey, do you want this pen? It's like, whoa, like relax. I don't want anything. I'm not interested. However, if you start by asking, what are you passionate about? And then going from there and me dwindling down until I was like, okay, mind muscle connection. Are you going to have that with this or with this? And then kind of helping them fix an issue. Products from Shark Tank, for example, that do phenomenally well, they fix an issue that people didn't know they had. I think the biggest product to ever come off Shark uh, Shark Tank is the Scrub Daddy. It's like a sponge. Mm -hmm. It's the simplest thing, but it fixes a problem. Mm -hmm. It's better than conventional sponges. Who would have ever thought of that? And it has a cute little smiley face on it. But it sells dividends. It's crazy. But people didn't know they had this issue until they were shown in a non-invasive way, hey, do you have this issue? This can fix it. So the biggest thing is not coming at them. It's just literally, it's nature. If you push at someone, they're going to push back, right? Fight or flight. But if you're right there with them saying, hey, look, you don't have to do this, but let's even see if it makes sense. How can I benefit you? Not how can you benefit me? How much commission can I get from you? Like, hey, buy my product. It's like, let's see if my product can help you. That's how you sell. That's beautiful. You said that I chat with that about the TM staff quite often. We all do our own sales. Mm -hmm. I currently like doing it that way for the reason we all control our intentions. Right. When we start chatting with somebody, whether they apply, whether they email, whether they DM on Instagram, comment on a video, 
we can very quickly pick up, what do you need? What are you lacking? Mm -hmm. If we proceed from there, that means we feel like we can fix your issue. If we ever get to a point of the communication process where the issue does not seem like something we're able to fix Mm -hmm. or it is immoral to continue pushing forward, then we're able to stop. And in the fitness industry, that is unbelievably rare, but that's how we run TM. It hasn't always been like that. There was a partner that I've had in TM that wanted to push back against that. Mm -hmm. And I I didn't like where TM was aligned at the time. And our sales weren't very good at the time either. And now we're like really back to our roots and what we do with these unbelievable intentions. Back to the morals, right? People just buy. Yeah. Like they want to be part of this. We have an unbelievably strong community. And we just ask people, how can we help you? What do you need? What are you lacking yeah. right now? And once they start opening those doors, it's like the sale kind of takes care of themselves exactly. because you know exactly what we do. They're selling themselves. Yeah. Very often, there's going to be salespeople that have poor intentions to get that commission check. Mm-hmm. How can you assess people listening to this podcast? They might sell e-commerce product. Maybe they do door-to-door. I know you had some people reach out to you after the last episode I that did, were interested yeah. in, um, in in your help and guidance. <sighs> Everyone wants to get into sales because you can make a lot of money. Can. And you can do it relatively quickly. Mm-hmm. How do you bridge proper morals putting the customer first Mm -hmm. and your commission, you know, maybe third or fourth because the product belief has to be second. Mm -hmm. How do you instill that in somebody? It's tough because you can try, but then everyone has their internal moral compass kind of preset, right? So you can give them the tools, but unfortunately, I believe that a lot of people deep down have the propensity to either be honest or scam. Recently, I found out about somebody that I know in sales who I had held to a high regard up until recently, and they are scamming the elderly, literally the elderly. It's horrendous. So what they're doing, um, and I'm glad I have a platform. I hope they're yep. listening, actually, because this is it's repulsive. Yep, let's run it. Um, so they would go to these homes. They would tell the customer, hey, this is your monthly rate now. It's higher than what you're paying by about 40 bucks a month. Mind you, most of these people are on Social Security, fixed income, elderly. And after the first month, it'll go back down. That's a lie. The bill stays the same. It never goes back down. But by that point, they're out of the cancellation period and they're stuck. Then they block their number, delete the the emails from their phone, never to be heard from again. I heard this and I was floored, flabbergasted. And that's the kind of thing that gives salespeople a bad name. That's why they think door-to-door people are scammers. That's why they think salespeople are dishonest and deceptive because people like that ruin it for everyone. They poison the well for every single person who wants to be ethical and honest and genuinely help people. And the worst part is this person has a platform that they built and people look up to them and respect them. And these reps come in wanting to work with this person thinking that they're getting one thing. And I've seen rep after rep after rep quit from that team because they don't feel comfortable lying to people, which they shouldn't. And it's sad because you have these people that are full of promise and ambition coming in thinking, oh my God, what a great opportunity. And it is. But over there on that specific team, it's it's appalling. And it's I found this out actually a day ago. Um, And it's just so disappointing. Like, we have such a beautiful vehicle with which to get to a goal, which I have, and I'm still going. 
And the fact that someone would take that and turn it into something so ugly and vile is absolutely disgusting. So it's unfortunate. And again, I think it really creates such a negative stigma against salespeople, which there kind of already is. People already think door-to-door is a scam. It's not, unless you're on that team, I guess. But um, yeah, quite unfortunate. I have a belief system that underperforming salespeople, or like in my case, like underperforming members of the staff, I think that the worst thing you can do is reprimand them. Yeah. The worst thing that you can do is, is you know, fire them unless, yeah. you know, things really do get to that point where like, dude, you're just not giving any effort here. Do you have a system in place for your reps if they start struggling? Mm-hmm that empowers them or educates them or enables them to break through this foundational barrier that they have found themselves at to be able to show up with confidence. Hard part. Yeah. You haven't had a sale in five days. Right. How the hell do you show up with confidence and assertiveness at the first door that you knock on day six? You fake it. And that sounds so much easier said than done, but it's not. What I always tell people is if it helps you – Pretend that you're not yourself on the door. Think of the most confident person you can think of. Go there mentally. And when you're on the door, you're that person. There's a guy within our company. um, I'm actually going to have him on my podcast soon. I'm really excited. He's a wonderful speaker. And he calls himself Black Panther, like the movie. And he was on a sales call recently. And he said, when I go to my sales area, I become Black Panther. I'm no longer myself. I'm him. I'm here to help people. I'm confident. I'm fearless. He's like, do I still get butterflies when I before I knock any door? Yeah, I do too. I still get nervous, right? Not because I don't think I can perform and sell, but that's just part of it. It never really goes away. But I think that's the easiest way and the best way until you do have that confidence or when you're in a low because it's like, okay, five days have passed. You haven't gotten a sale. Let's say it's day six. There's two options. You can go out defeated, beat up, and you're definitely not going to get a sale that way, transfer of energy, right? They're going to see that. Or you can pretend to be somebody completely different who is confident outside of yourself and your mental state. And there is so much more of a chance that you're going to get a sale. I can almost guarantee you will. And then you'll start to build that confidence back up to where you're confident being yourself again. But using that vehicle of pretending to be someone else, it'll get you back to that point. There's a thought process that I have when you hit a slump. Mm -hmm. You change your consumption of everything. What's going into your mouth? What's going into your ears? What's going into your eyeballs? You're not allowed to eat bad foods when you're in a slump. Yeah. You're not allowed to waste time watching reality TV shows, watching sports, watching shit when you're in a slump. You're not allowed to listen to music that's talking about negative things when you're in a slump. You switch all that shit. Mm -hmm. It's positive. You know what's on your fucking TV? What's on your TV is learning skills from YouTube. Yeah. Is highly positive documentaries where people are building success. Yeah. It's shows that are based around the foundation of success. Yeah. What's going in your ears? Fucking podcasts. Mm -hmm. You're an average. This isn't my words. I forget who I heard this from. Yeah. It used to be you're an average of the five people you're around the most. Mm -hmm. There's this new age thought process with how popular podcasts are becoming is you're an average of the five podcasts you listen to the most. I believe in that. 
what's going into your fucking mouth manifests in the rest of your body. Yeah. You're in a fucking slump. You're not making money. You're getting denied by every family you walk up to. Your social environment's not where it need to be. You better watch what the fuck's going in your mouth. Well, manifestation's so real. Absolutely. Like, I swear to you, I've had reps where they're in a slump and they're like, oh, I suck. I'm never going to be good at this. Da, 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 this negative self-talk. And I'm like, shut the fuck up respectfully. Like, do you understand you're making this your reality? It's already your reality, but you're perpetuating it and it will never not be your reality until you break that cycle and start saying, you know what? I'm the best to ever sell alarms. I'm going to be a millionaire someday. I'm going to build the biggest sales team that's ever been built. Da, da, da. There was a manager that used to be on our team. And when he first started, broke. Um, he's on another in another company now, but he's like, I used to pace to the door saying, I'm the best to ever do it. I'm the, like out loud, audibly. And he's like, I look like a psychopath, but it worked. Sure enough, he broke all these records, shattered them, became this big regional manager. And I believe in that so much. Like I'll listen to um, frequencies, yeah, like music, just like frequencies that bring about like money, like all these things in my car. And I used to do that when I first started as well, to just put myself in that headspace with that energy. It's it's a real thing for sure. That book that I'm reading right now, The Greatest Salesman mm -hmm. in the World, um, my affirmations yesterday morning were, I won't talk about my affirmations this morning. My affirmations yesterday morning was from the first two scrolls of that book. Um, the first was the good habits. Mm -hmm. Every habit that I endure and build today is supporting who I am stepping into and who I am becoming. And the second was every single person I encounter today is going to understand that they are getting my heart. They are getting my vulnerability and they are feeling my love. And everything that I do today is going to be led by love, which is one of my taglines for TM yeah. anyways. There is something to fucking be said about it. I'm not this huge affirmations guy. Yeah. When the first thing you're doing in the morning is you're walking to the kitchen to get water. I do my little salt water. I do a little lemon juice, honestly, just because I like how it tastes. I do my yeah. ACV because it like pushes me a little bit because sure. it's disgusting. And yeah. I like, I do this challenge for myself where I down my ACV without making a, a face at all. And you're telling yourself that and you're just walking with this S on your chest. You cannot possibly tell me that that doesn't have some sort of manifestation as Absolutely to how not. your yeah. day goes. Yeah. Do you do anything like that? Yeah, I do. And I wouldn't say like a morning routine. I think it was Hormozy um, that was saying, guys, you don't need this 30-step morning yep, routine of like that is a Hormozy. cold plunge, like a sauna, like relax. Yep. I think it's more things that put you in that headspace, you yep. know, like, okay, sure, that might work for someone cool, but it's not a, you know, win all. So for me, I wake up every morning and I never am like, oh, I have to go to work. Oh, I have to do this. I'm like, oh my God, like I get to work. I get to run a sales meeting. This is sick. Like I'm excited. Yeah. I put on um, like vibey music, like R&B of some sort. I have little like ambient lighting in my room. I walk my dog and it's just things that bring me joy and they're so small to me, but it just puts me in a good headspace and it puts me in the space because I know I'm going to start getting calls from reps. I know I'm going to start having fires to put out. I enjoy that. That's fine. I look forward to it because I prep myself in the morning in a peaceful state to now pass that on to other people. When my reps call me freaking out, I can be like, hey, Let's handle this together. Let's break this down bit by bit because I started my day in that headspace. So I think there's manifestation of like writing it down, but there's also manifestation of taking the action steps to put yourself where you want to be in, in that positive headspace as well. The Art of Negotiation, How to Close Deals and Win Customers, the book. Are you familiar yeah. with that? No. I'm, really, I'm actually, I don't read a lot of sales books. I know, which is yeah. quite fascinating to yeah. me. 
talks about preparation being the main driver and being able to understand what's needed by the subject for the sale. And man, in anything that I've ever sold, I feel like when I walk in appropriately prepared, even if I'm selling myself like to a person um, in terms of like, this is why you should be friends with me or this is why you should date me or this is why you should, you know, whatever, spend money with me. I am overly prepared really? for everything. Huh. It's very hard to catch me off guard. Yeah, yeah. Do you have a way that you teach your reps to prepare? Obviously, before you go knock doors, you understand the socioeconomics of a neighborhood. Yeah. I'm assuming. Yeah, absolutely. We do a lot of research on that before we send them out. Talk about a lot of research. What does this look like? What's that entail? What's the hours? What's the man work that goes into that so that when you show up and knock that door, you understand you're knocking a door that has the highest possible chance to convert into a paid client? Because what I want people to get out of this is how fucking important this preparation is. Because right now, people are just waiting on folks to buy their product or to ask them about what they can do. And no one fucking cares about what you can do. They care about how they can be benefited. Exactly. I mean, guys, it's the low-hanging fruit. Like, if you want to give yourself more of a fighting chance, you should prepare. And the thing is, you could just go in cold. You could go to a random neighborhood. I'm confident that I could go anywhere and literally sell pretty much anyone. But a new rep, that's not always the case. So... What we do personally, and recently I've been working like 20-hour days, which it's worth it, but we will start with the state we want to go to. Then we'll zero in on the largest cities. From there, we will literally go to a website. We'll put in specific zip codes and look at the demographics. So what I mean by that is, okay, we want a certain amount of people above the age of 65. Reason being, they're home during the day. Younger people are going to only be home at night. So we're trying to like find out, okay, there at least needs to be like a 15, 20% range of people over 65. Okay. But- we're also going to look at the income. If you have someone who's making five mil a year, they're going to be a lot more apprehensive to make a spur of the moment decision than someone who wants to save money or get a good product at a fair rate. And they're more apt to jump on it because perhaps they can't afford a lot of other companies where they have to pay thousands up front. With us, there's no upfront charge typically because it's made in the U.S. by Brinks Home Security. So <laughs> from me specifically. Yeah. If you guys do need security, home business, I got you. No upfront fees. But anyway. She will literally fly out to your house. No, I swear I literally will. Like, I, I might will, show up with her. Yeah, I'll jog. Yeah. Special appearance by Justin, guys. Yeah. Free gift with purchase. Stay right. only. Slide in the DMs. Wow, we are about to have tons of stuff. Yeah. Can we split the commission? Yeah, I Let's got run you. It, I just want the numbers. Let's run it. Um. Yeah. So... <laughs> Onwards, Justin. You bring a Brinks polo. <laughs> so right now. <laughs> um, I mean, honestly, the paperwork I brought it today. But yeah, so also important, socioeconomics. So we want to make sure they're a bit below the national average income-wise because people with a lot of money means they have a lot of options, means they have a lot of resources, means they want to do their research. They're going to say, can you come back? Can you give me your card? No, I can't. I'm not doing that. So that's where we want to be. And then aside from that... What other fact? Oh, poverty rate is a big one because we don't want a lot of credit fails because that can happen too. And that unfortunately, there's a lot of people who want security, but their credit might be subpar and we can't really help them at that point. Um, And we don't want a new rookie to go to an area super excited getting in a bunch of homes, but they all failed a credit check, right? So we want to be below 12% between, I would say, you don't want it too low because then you go back to the rich end of things. So you want to be probably between 8 to 12% poverty in an area. Nothing higher, nothing lower. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So very specific. 
Uh, and aside from that, that's pretty much it. I mean, you could go further into demographics. If you have a preference, I have some reps that speak Spanish fluently. So they might want to go to an area where there's a lot of people who speak Spanish. Phenomenal. You know, and they do really well in there because a lot of people don't, um, in the door to door space. So there's a lot of factors that I look into. And then before I'm assigning that area to them, I look even deeper and I say, what would be a best fit for this rep? There's nothing that's foolproof. There's no fail safe. There's any number of things you can encounter in an area, but I want to give them the best fighting chance that I can. And by gathering that data prior to sending them off somewhere, instead of just saying like sayonara, good luck, it's kind of giving them more of a chance and doing that preparation and research to assure that. How relevant is the excuse? So I just don't have money for it right now. Not necessarily in your field, potentially, Mm -hmm. because you guys do do zero upfront costs. I don't find that to be an applicable Mm -hmm. reason to not purchase whatsoever. Like people will hit me up on Instagram and they talk about, you know, like I'd want I'd love to one day work with TM and yada, yada. Like I don't have the funds right now. And it's like, you haven't even asked me for the price yet. Although you do have the funds if you use your network. You do have the funds if you reach out to other people. You do have the funds if you use your credit. So how much do you believe in yourself that this is going to be able to change your life? I don't believe in the excuse we don't have the funds. I believe to me that screams, this doesn't mean enough to me to make other sacrifices in other places in my life. Yet, do you think there might be some part to that that is more focused on maybe I just don't have enough information yet I don't know the right questions to ask? Yeah, it could be trust. Also, that's another big one. And like a smoke screen. There's smoke screens and objections, right? Smoke screen is something they use to mask the real objection. So you want to ask those questions and utilize active listening to get to the core objection. So kind of like with the pen, right? I asked a bunch of questions before you even knew what I was selling you, right? That's so, so, so important because one, people love talking about themselves. They do. I do too. I'm on a podcast, right? And I have my own now. It's human nature. But at the same time, that's helping you. You know, you're showing interest, but you're also assessing their needs without them feeling like they're being sold. Mm. So super important. People struggle to listen to others because they think their product is so special and their product is so good. And if we're going to call spade a spade and be a thousand, I talk about this um, openly in every client transformation video I post, Mm -hmm. you can go in and find a portion of that where I'm like, this is on the client. Like this only has a little bit to do with me. This is on them. Um, your product isn't better than everyone else's. It doesn't exist. Not yours exclusively, like yeah. whoever's listening no, to this. For sure. It that's not a real thing. That's not a tangible thing you can give. And something I find all too common in folks just starting out who have to get that next sale to pay the next bill because I was there too. Yeah, commission as, breath. <laughs> yeah, as yeah. you've been there, commission breath. Yeah. Um they will talk so much about their product. Yeah. And they will talk so much about themselves and their track Mm -hmm. record and X, Y, Z. No one gives a fuck. Yeah, I see it all the time. only care about how they will benefit and they want to have as close to a guarantee as absolutely possible that they're going to get benefit from it. Yeah. With your product, it's obviously home security. Is there a psychology behind that that you would be able to understand, tap into, share with your reps Mm -hmm. about how do you just simply get someone to that point, to the point of the sign up because they realize how well this can benefit them? Yeah. As you said, there's smoke screens, there's, you know, all of that. Yeah, I see it a lot. And now when my rep tells me what's happening to them on the door, I already know what they're doing wrong most times. So I'll see this all the time where they're so excited. They know everything that this product can do. They want to 
tell them every benefit on the door. And I'll see, you know, reps will come to me and say, oh my God, I got in like nine homes or I knocked like all these doors. However, they were like, I want to think about it. Can I get a card? Information overload. You're telling Mm -hmm. them too much Mm -hmm. on the door. You're like, it can do this. It's 1080p and da 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 da. Like the bare minimum. Like, hey, this is how it can benefit you. Let's like over there on your home. I see there's a blind spot. Have you ever thought of adding surveillance there? Asking questions like that as opposed to, oh, look, it has this feature and it's like 1080p and like you can arm on and off from your phone. It's a 90 year old lady. She literally doesn't care. You're freaking her out, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's one, not catering to the customer, two, information overload, three, you don't even know what they need yet because you've been so busy talking, you haven't listened. So, so you've got to get them to talk. Absolutely. Like right away. Well, I get everything out first that I need to that's yeah. essential. And then What's at that essential? point, essential is the, ben- the bare, bare bones benefit. So I don't want to give away my proprietary no, sales no, no, pitch. Yeah. However, um, I'll show up to the home and the skeleton of the pitch that I teach my reps is who are they? I always start with their name. Um, who are they? Who are you? And there's ways to find that out. Who are they? Who are you? What do they currently have or not have? How can you fix that? And that's it. That's literally it. Um, So their name, your name. Also like, okay, I see you don't have a security system right now. Oh, I noticed you have an older sign here. When was the last time they checked on you or you were updated? Is everything working okay? Because I tend to find with these older systems, there's a lot of problems. Have you experienced any dead batteries, connectivity issues, a little bit of a lag? I do know as these age because they're not digital, that can happen and it's very pricey to fix because they don't make these parts anymore. Mm. So just sympathizing with them. The features of the product just don't actually mean that much in terms of the sale. They don't care. They don't care at all. It's how can it benefit them? And creating the need because nobody's sitting at home thinking, what do I hate about my alarm system? Unless it's just falling off the wall, sparks flying. They don't care. They're like, "Ah, I'm good with what I have. It doesn't matter. So it's a preventative measure then, right? So without shit talking their company, you never want to do that if they have another company. And without, you know, going into it with every single feature and every bell and whistle, just saying, hey, I noticed you have an older sign here. I was actually here to help your neighbor, Mr. Smith, down the street, but I couldn't help but notice that. And also, there's no surveillance above the garage. I know there's been a rising car break-ins in the area. Are you worried about that? Have you heard anything about that? Or just be knowledgeable about the area. Do your research. There's apps where you can see crime that's happened recently. They probably know about it, especially if they have a neighborhood page. I'm here helping your neighbors set up a camera above the garage. There's actually no install fee. I noticed you have a blind spot there. Have you ever thought of adding surveillance? More times than not, they'll say, I did, but I called my company or this other company and they wanted to charge $900 up front. I can't afford that. Boom. Sale. So it's just active listening and asking questions. My last question for you, Rebecca, this is absolutely phenomenal. What are common mistakes to avoid when it comes to negotiation? Talking too much and talking first and also giving your lowest number first. Flop, Ah. flop, flop. Don't ever do that. And also don't give a number first. Yeah. He says, tell your race to shut the fuck up. Yeah. And I used to do this. I used to like send my race and be like, you know, I I really look forward to like being able to help. Like I would say something else. He's like, send your race to shut the fuck up. Yeah. And as I'm moving into higher ticket sales and being more exclusive with the folks I'm taking on, oh my God, it's working phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you're going to go, sorry, go ahead. 
you're talking to me at this point, we are at the point of rate exchange. Mm-hmm. Oh, we've been talking. Yeah. Like, yeah. especially for higher ticket sales. Sure. Because yeah. I need to make sure I want to work with you because mm-hmm. this is intimate. Sure. So the fact you want to work with me, you're in my DMs, you're following me, you're interacting with myself. Do I want to work with you? Yeah. We're at the point of rate exchange. Dude, we're in deep. Yeah. And it's already a warm lead. They're hitting you up, right? So exactly. yeah, at that yeah, point, I would say it's scorching hot. Yeah, like, absolutely. I don't get my rates out very often. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't love my rates being out there for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, Might deter someone from hitting you up. You never know. That way you wouldn't have time to do the sales cycle of like, hey, let's make sure this makes sense and kind of getting them there, you know? Could. Maybe their group of friends was talking about working with me and then, well, you know, this is what he charged me. Yeah. You don't know my value or what I can do with you yet. Exactly. Um, I think there's just something very strong to be said about how much can you fucking give this person before you even talk? You are there at their door. Mm Mm-hmm. For sales. Yeah. How fucking much can you give this person mm-hmm. before you talk about prices? Because again, well, for, for me, I guess it's a little different. I got to make sure I want to work with you too. And yeah. at any point of this, if you don't have my price, I can back out. But as yeah. soon as you have my price, I'm kind of obligated to follow through with the, the sale. Sure. So yeah. elaborate on the price. When do you pitch that? So I'll give a range, right? If they ask. But at the same time, I have seen that if you build enough value and get enough need, they'll end up asking you for it because they want to buy, right? Like kind of like you said, if you're giving your rates, you're there. If they're asking your rates, they want it. You know what I mean? And at that point, the power's in your hands to say, okay, what am I going to charge? What's fair for this house? What equipment do they need? So what I'll say is before transitioning in the home, okay, and they'll say, how much is it? I'm like, well, I don't want to overquote you right? Because who wants to be overcharged? So I'm going to need to grab a seat, sit down, start an account for you. And then from there, see what all we need to add on the home. It's customizable. It's not a one size fits all. It's security. It's protecting your biggest investment. So not only do I want to charge you, not want to charge you more than I have to, but I also don't know what exactly you need. And we want to keep the home as safe as possible. It's not all encompassing one size fits all. Your neighbor down the street might have a pool in their backyard and they want to watch their kids. You might have a classic car collection out in your shed and that's more important to you. We don't know. So let's figure out what's most important to you. I'll make the fairest price, come up with a, a number for you, and we'll see if it makes sense. That is so applicable to every single avenue of sales that there is. And I really hope people listening to this understand just how valuable that information was. Rebecca, you're absolutely awesome. One of my favorite fucking humans on this entire planet. Happy birthday. Thank you. I keep forgetting it's my birthday. I know. What are you doing after this? (laughs) Uh, Meeting up with Alex. Meeting up with Alex. I am, yeah. I love that. Um, We'll tell her her name was mentioned a few times on the Girl and I podcast today. I'm sure she'll like that. Oh, my gosh. Oh, at this one. I'm like, is someone else talking about her? The way I'm so defensive. As a friend, I'm like, who? Who the fuck was talking (laughs) about Alex? What's the table? Yeah. Well, I'll I'll make sure to get you into a cell tomorrow night. And um, I'm I'm sure we'll see you back on. Mm -hmm. I'll be there. I'll be there. Um, everyone already knows where to follow you. Um, a lot of people hit you up last time. And yeah. a lot of people hit me up like, oh my God, like, she's so sweet. She's so sick. nice. Yeah, it was really cool. And thank you also. I don't know that I've formally said thank you for even helping me get a platform. Absolutely. You know, like it's it's really cool. It's been exciting, really fast growth. And so many people are just hitting me up saying that it helped them a little bit, 
which is the coolest thing. I was hoping that would happen, but the fact that it actively is, is the coolest thing ever. So thank you. I appreciate Absolutely. all your help. I appreciate you, Rebecca, yeah. Grow Podcast. We'll see y'all yeah, next yeah. time. Check Bye, out guys. Secured Sessions, <laughs> YouTube, Spotify, Apple, wherever you are listening to this one, mm -hmm. she is on as well. Leave us both a five-star rating. Pretty please. We would appreciate it a ton. See y'all next time. Bye. Peace.